Welcome to Wellversed, where we bring biblical principles of governance to governmental leaders and you. This is the Wellversed podcast. You shall know what we're doing tonight. We're going to go right to, um, in just a moment, to Tara Dahl. Uh, she's going to give an important report. She serves as the National Security Council, Deputy Chief of Staff, Special Assistant to the President in the White House under President Trump. She's also a senior fellow at the Security Study Group. And she's going to tell us how we can jump in and support the endeavors there. They're, they're trying to send a million meals right now. To give you perspective, there's a million, uh, so far a million refugees. They think it's going to go to 10 million, one of the largest refugee movements in the history. And so she's going to be on in just a moment. After that, we're going to go to Robert Kadashan, and he's going to, uh, Kaladishan, he's going to take, introduce us to Dennis Newman, who's there in the midst of all of this. And we're going to introduce a short 90-second video. It's not pleasant to watch, but it was shot on the streets. and shows you what it is like. And then Mario will introduce Johnny Daniels. Um, he can identify where he is uh, over there if he, if he desires to. And then we'll have a video from Danielle Moore with the Jewish Agency. And uh, that one will give us understanding. You may not know the history enough to know that uh, back during World War World War II on September the 29th and 30th through the night, 1941, at a place called Bobby Yar, right outside of Kiev, uh, 34,000 men, women, and children were lined up, shot, all of them shot and killed, and they, they just dumped them into ditches yeah, and, and a mass grave. Uh, some of them weren't even dead yet and covered them up. Bobby Yar is, became a kind of a park and was designated a memorial center. So what did Putin do? He bombed it uh, just this week. There was a communications tower nearby, but the site where 34,000 of the 150,000 Jewish people in Ukraine uh, were slaughtered. Haven't the Jews suffered enough? And so at the end, we're going to talk to you about helping to get the Jews out of Ukraine into whatever country you can, but mainly to get them to Israel and to help make Aliyah. So that'll be the, that'll be the closeout, just to make you aware. So you're going to be able to give towards feeding, feeding an awful lot of people through the churches, and you'll have an opportunity to give to help get uh, Jewish people out of uh, this country in this desperate moment. That being the case, we're going to go right to Tara. Thank you, Tara Dahl. Um, we know you've had an, an incredible honors in the Trump administration at the highest levels and are very knowledgeable, um, but today we're going to focus on how can we get food quickly, as quickly as possible, to uh, a million people who need it right now and the numbers are going to increase. So Tara, thank you for being on. Talk to us if you would. Uh, thank you so much, Dr. Carlo, for letting me share and, and join you this evening. We, uh, I'm with the, working with the City of Destiny Church here in Apopka, Florida. And this weekend we um, came together, our Pastor Paula and Pastor Todd, with City of Destiny last Tuesday wanted to help. So they just started to think of ways that they could help. And they thought, well, let's try to put a million meals together to send over to the people that are fleeing. The over 1.5 million people now from Ukraine have fled into the surrounding countries. And so they started to put this together and uh, God just blessed it. And they uh, had partnerships with Paula White Ministries, with City of Destiny Church, Mercy Chefs, Intercessors for America, No Child Hungry, Intercessors for America and Intercessors for Ukraine and Revival Mission International and all and, and 
many others came together to be able to try to put together 1 million meals starting only last Tuesday and God just blessed it. And this last weekend, we had over 1,850 volunteers that showed up at the city of destiny in a moment's notice. They, they canceled their plans and within seven hours, we had 1 million meals packed and prepared now to send over to Ukraine to the people that need it. And so we are working with the churches on the ground in Poland and Romania. We have a network of churches there of over a thousand churches that we are working with on the ground that we are sending these meals over to. So Pastor Todd with City of Destiny, he is on his way now. He was going to join you, I know, this evening, but he is actually on a flight to Poland and he is going to be on the ground there to make sure that these meals, when they come, they're going to be leaving here on Tuesday uh, with a cargo plane and they're going to be flying over and be, will be delivered to the churches there and the churches that are helping these refugees. They're bringing them into their churches. They're needing homes. They're needing spiritual and emotional needs. So we're not only going to be feeding them, we're going to be working with them to provide those needs as well. And this is just the beginning for us. We want to continue to partner with these networks, partner with organizations, and we want to do more. And so we are really asking for support. We're asking for donations. If people want to donate, um, if they want to support, we, we really, it all goes straight to the people in Ukraine. And it honestly was just remarkable to see, um, you know, when you put together 1 million meals, when it, that's something that takes weeks, it takes months in advance, as everyone knows, to prepare something like that. And God's hand was just on it. And people came from all over. They drove hours with their families, with their children, and they spent hours at the church until Saturday night, 6 p.m. is when we hit the 1 million mark. And so we surpassed even that and um, surpassed the goal. But we need help. We need donations. And we want to continue to do this, to stand with the people of Ukraine, to stand with those that have no food right now. They have no shelter. They're fleeing their homes um, and support the churches there that are bringing these, these refugees in. And so if you can um, support us and, and donate, you can go to www.cityofdestiny.com dot us slash ukraine and i believe you put that on your website as well so um it's just actually it's it's miraculous when you see the people they want to help they want to contribute they they want to show that we love them that we're standing with them and that we want to do something in the even a little capacity that we can so thank you for letting us share what we're trying to do to to help out thank you so much i talked with todd todd lamphere uh, who's who's heading this up? Who's who's as she indicated is flying? I asked the question that may be on your minds: How do you get food over there that's still good by the time it gets there? This has a two-year shelf life. They're literally sending breakfast and dinners. Uh, we may we'll tell you more about that maybe in future calls. We won't take time right now. I just accept to say the need is great. We ask you to go to. We just just set this up moments ago. Uh, a wellversedworld.org. Go to wellversedworld.org. And you can follow down on the main page and you'll see how to support Ukraine. There's going to be two options there. We're talking about the first one. That's getting a million meals. Of course, now you'll go into the millions of meals. Remember, if we get a million meals there today. That only covers the people who are there for one meal. We're talking about potentially up to as many as 10 million people, two or three meals a day. At this time, I think you're aiming for two meals a day. And so you can see the need is just gargantuan. Quite a few ministries have networked together. I wanted to seek out, I saw an email, a, a text to a number of people. I said, tell me 
credible, honest, good organizations that I can trust to put my funds behind. So whatever you email right now, go to wellversedworld.org. If you'll click on, you'll see City of Destiny, Ukraine Crisis. If you'll click on that, make a donation. 100% of what you give to that will go to City of Destiny, what they're doing. Network with about, I think, about eight organizations all working together to try to cover this uh, at, at this time. Tara, I'm really appreciative of you coming on. We may have you come back on and give update reports as we go into the many millions and, and, and how it's going on the ground. I don't know how long Todd is going to be over there but we might come back to you on the future calls to give us updates if you can. Thank you. God bless you. Thank you so much for the opportunity to share. Thank you so much. We're going to go right now to Robert Galasha. Um, I've known Robert for the longest time. He's had a ministry to orphans in, uh, in, in um, uh, Vietnam for, for many, many years. And he's just, he's a blessing. He's a man among men who I respect so highly. Uh, I'm going to show a 90 second video. I, I believe that's it's a short video uh, that was sent to him. Uh, we don't know for sure who took this, but you're going to hear a woman screaming. Where are my children? Where are my children? I'll, I'll just warn you in advance in case you want to turn your eyes because you're going to see. You're going to see the results of war with bodies on the street. It's, it's, it's quite it's quite painful and jolting to watch. But I'm going to set the stage as Robert talks to us and then his cousin, Dennis, who is over there right now. Uh, so watch this short video. And then, Robert, we're going to go right to you and to your cousin, Dennis, on the ground. Play the video, please. Аптека, блядь. Robert, after seeing that, I, I just have I have no particular words. I'm just going to go directly to you, Robert, uh, to talk to us and you and, and Dennis um, share with us now. Would you please, Robert? Thank you. Thank you for the opportunity, Jim. And, and uh, I, I got to be honest, you know, my, my family's I'm going to take a couple minutes before I introduce Dennis. Uh, my family's from Kharkov. Um, they came after their DPs from World War II. And, you know, I grew up in the stories. I had no idea. I feel so close to this thing. I was being ripped up. You know, Dennis has been here and visited with us and his family. And, and I was in contact with him and, and as he was getting his family to Poland. And I couldn't imagine his two young teen children knowing, saying goodbye to their father, knowing that he's going back into the war. I, I, I can't imagine that. I can't imagine that one day when, when, when Dennis, we've been talking several times a day and uh, he says, I'm in the basement now. I've got neighbors here that couldn't get their children out and there's bombs going off above. 
a couple of homes in our block have been destroyed. I just, I was like, you know, God, God, you know, the sensitivity of working in Vietnam and, you know, I'm going, Lord, God, you know, how involved should I be? And I felt a whisper from God. He says, you talk a lot about being the hands and feet of God, are you? And <laughs> yeah, it's easy to talk it. But I, I, I'm in, I'm in. And I, I want to introduce my cousin, Dennis. I, I can't even imagine what he's going through. And, you know, his family's in Poland. Thank God we're working, trying to figure out a way how to get him to this country and sponsor them. But uh, Dennis, please take over. Hello. Do you hear me? Yes, we can. Thank you, Dennis. As we say, Slava Ukraini. Glory to Ukraine. Greeting from brave Ukraine. My name is Denis Duvin, and I am Ukrainian. Thank you for this opportunity to tell you the truth. I am not a politician. I am just small businessman. I have my house, happy family, two kids, and now my life has changed. And not only my life, all Ukrainians their life broken. You saw this video. It's just a small part of happened in Ukraine. Such story, lots of. Just uh, before our conversation, I saw video. It's hard to say, but uh, mother went out uh, searching for the food because it's a very uh, difficult situation, no food. And uh, they went out and in the meantime, bombing. And when they come back, the, her house destroyed and her four kids died. Four kids, guys. Mm -hmm. Such story happens all the time. I uh, evacuate my kids and my wife uh, to Poland, and it was uh, very hard. You can imagine it deep night, thousands of people. Uh, it's uh, not a man, it's just a woman with their kids, kids crying, deep night, cold, and uh, they're waiting for the buses. And just small bus can take 10 or 20 people, but it's thousands of people. I was uh, succeed, but I uh, found uh, a big bus to evacuate people from the city, and I just stop it and uh, ask, please take my kids. And it was amazing. It was just miracle. Uh, it was a uh, bus from uh, Jewish embassy, and uh, they agreed because nobody else agreed. You know, uh, the, first, the first speaker said it's Ukrainian crisis. No, guys, it's not a crisis. It's a real war. It's not crisis. And it's like uh, in World War II, uh, fascist wants to erase Jewish, Jewish. Now Putin wants to erase Ukrainian. And not only Putin, there are lots of 
military Russians, they behave like a beast. They shoot civilian houses. We lost, for your understanding, we lost more than 200 schools. They want our kids to be no, without education because there are only one God in Russia, it's Putin. And really they pray for Putin. They don't pray God, they pray, pray for Putin. And he wants that now Ukraine pray for him. No, we won't. It's a war between, not between Russia and Ukraine. It's, it's a real war between light and dark. Believe me, what happened in Ukraine, it's just, absolutely crazy. Now my parents sitting, suffering, have been suffering in Kharkov without electricity, without water. They have just a little bit food. And uh, I asked them, please run away. It's very hard. Only one train. And they said me no. Uh, better kids go, we, we will stay, we are old men. Mm. And it's yeah. hard for me to say, but uh, because it's happened in my country with my people. Yeah. There are lots of uh, some stories, but uh, some of them positive. Uh, young boy, just imagine 11 years in 11 years old boy went by himself 400 kilometers and he crossed uh, ukrainian slovakia border alone mm -hmm. and he has just a telephone number on his head um, his relatives in slovakia mm -hmm. i don't know what happens with his parents If you ask me, Dennis, what do you want? Really, guys, I need your help. We need your help. Ukraine needs your help. We need not only just meals. We need your support. We, need, we want you to push your authorities. Mm -hmm. Because priority number one, no-fly zone. We need your protection in the air. I know it's scary to come into, into conflict with Russia, but now it's not time to be afraid, it's time to act. Because Putin never stopped on Ukraine. He's crazy. He will fight next with Poland, Eastern Europe, and then he always will uh, use his uh, nuclear bomb. The potential, potential. I believe, I believe he won't, but he always uh, have this weapon, and he will uh, afraid all the world by it. But. Uh, People of United States, I know you're brave. And uh, 
Now, Ukraine show all the world that just look at the map. How big is Russia comparing to Ukraine? Small Ukraine and huge Russia. But we are fight and we win. But what's the price for this win? Right now, when we talk, they bombing Kharkov, they bombing Mariupol, they bombing Kiev. My native uh, place, it's uh, Kharkov, and my parents there. I moved to uh, close to Kiev. It's a small town like uh, Huntington Beach. Very beautiful place. And now it's destroyed absolutely. When people try to escape, Russians military sh shoot, shoot uh, to the shoot uh, cars with civilians. They shoot from tanks to big houses. You can find a lot of video if you want. It's it now it's a uh, it's a new reality, guys. World never be the same. I have been to United States two times thanks to Robert Kalachan. By the way, he is a great person. He helps a lot to Vietnamese children long long time. And uh, when I came to United States, I saw it's beautiful, freedom, people smile. But now when you turn off uh, news about Ukraine, you can uh, watch it on TV or internet. You can think it's just a blockbuster movie. And you can turn off and that's all. But no, it's not a movie. It's real. And it's happened now. When I was in uh, Robert's place, he uh, invited me to the church. I said, Robert, I don't want to go to the church. I better go to the beach. He said, no, you, you will enjoy it. And it's very, it was really exciting because uh, the priest was a very interesting person. And uh, I clearly remember what he said. He said, Americans, you talk a lot. It's better to do a lot. If you won't listen to me, please listen to your church. Please to listen to your priest. I really appreciate you for help. All Ukrainians appreciate. Because uh, we received weapon, but we need more. We need uh, some Something for defense. Mm -hmm. We need military air aircraft. We need ammunition. We need helmets. And also humanitarian aid, medicine. It's a huge humanitarian crisis now. People die. We are dying. Uh, really, when uh, father cannot see his kids and they are refugees. They are not in a vacation and nobody knows what happened next. 
Now they have uh, some uh, temporary uh, place for living, but what happened next, nobody knows. They don't want to be refugees, they want to go home. Uh, thank you, thank you. Oh my, Dennis, we totally agree with you that, that, that Putin has the spirit of Hitler and he'll go after one country after another. He's not going to stop. And we agree with you, we're embarrassed that our leadership in Washington DC cannot see this or refuse to see this. And we agree with you on the no-fly zone. You cannot appease somebody with the spirit of Hitler. You cannot appease that because their appetite is to kill and destroy, steal, kill and destroy. So we agree with you and I, we've heard an appeal. I would urge you to call, contact your congressman and appeal you to get more involved. I know the NATO and the US is showing very little backbone as they're being slaughtered in the streets. And I understand why nobody wants to get in World War III with Russia, but World War III has already begun. It is not going to stop. Absolutely. Absolutely. Cannot, cannot get enough of dom world domination. So I urge you to contact your members of Congress and appeal uh, to them. It, it's a, it seems like it's too little too late, but let's do what we can. We've heard your heart. Uh, Dennis, and we, we agree with what you have said. And frankly, on behalf of the United States of America, I ask your forgiveness for how slow and sluggish and dull our leadership is in seeing this horrific crisis. I've been to your country once, two years ago. I was supposed to be in your country last September. We love Ukraine. We love the Ukrainians. And even those who haven't been there care deeply for what is happening to your, to your country. Robert, this is your cousin, Robert Galatian. He, he's, he's had a ministry, unbelievable ministry, humanitarian aid, particularly in Vietnam. Robert, do you want to just pray over your cousin right now before we go to the next person? But Dennis, I am so grateful. And we may ask you to come back on future calls to update us. So we pray supernatural protection over you and your family. Robert, pray for your cousin right now. Father, I pray for Dennis, Lord, and Lord, I don't want to limit it to Dennis. I want to pray for all the families that are that are being broken up, separated, the, 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 the horror that they're living, Father. I just pray for supernatural covering over them, Lord, protection, Father, a sense of your presence, Lord, and Father, I pray for strength and perseverance, Lord. I pray for hope, Father, hope in their lives, Lord, and Father, even as, as in when, when Noah, in Noah's time, when there was a flood, Father, that there came a wind that blew away the waters. Father, I pray for that supernatural wind right now to fall over Ukraine, to fall over the world and deal with what's going on, Father. You are the hope of the world, Father, and you are God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Robert. Thank you, uh, Dennis. We'll be in touch with you on future calls to get further updates. Thank you so much. I wanna remind you of, of, of two ways to give immediately. Go to wellversedworld.org. We just put this on a little bit ago to try to do something. We don't just pray, we pray and act. <clears throat> and uh, our, our first step is to get meals. And so go to world, wellversedworld.org and, and, and click on there, uh, City of Destiny. 
Mario and I served uh, on, on the Trump Faith Advisory Board with Paula White. Uh, Paula White, uh, we, both of us came away really amazed at how well she just conducted herself so well in leading the, the uh, Faith Advisory Board and the various other iterations of that group. And she has teamed up, uh, of course, City of Destiny and uh, about eight different groups to try to get food there quickly. So go to wellversedworld.org. I texted Paula earlier today to get the information, help me know how we can help. And so that's the first line of defense right there, trying to get some food. And then also you'll see the Jewish agency. We need to help get Jews out of there as fast as we can. And the most efficient organization I've ever heard of globally is the Jewish agency. Mario is friends with Johnny Daniels and with uh, um, Danielle Moore, who are going to be our next two guests. So I go to Mario right now to introduce first Johnny. And then uh, after Johnny, uh, we'll be uh, hearing from Danielle Moore in a pre-tape. Mario, we go to you. Thank you, Jim. Uh, Johnny, we so appreciate it. We know you're working very, very hard. It's the middle of the night for you. Uh, Johnny Daniels, originally born in London, immigrated to Israel at 18. He served as a sergeant in the IDF. Uh, following his military service, he became chief of staff for a dear friend of ours, uh, Speaker, Deputy Speaker of the Knesset at that time, Danny Danon. He's worked for Worldly Could. He's got the uh, forum uh, for the Depths Foundation focusing on Holocaust remembrance. And right now he's helping uh, Jewish people crossing the border uh, out of Ukraine to help uh, save the Jewish people. Johnny, thank you so much for joining us. If you can please brief us as to your work and what's going on. Uh, hi there. So thank you for having me. Um, first of all, I think I'll make one sort of, I wouldn't say correction, but addition to, to what you said, dear Pastor. Um, we're working and helping everybody. Now, especially during a time like this, uh, it's impossible to make any kind of differentiation between people, whoever we are, whatever color, whatever creed, whatever race, whatever nation, we're all part of the human nation and the human race, and we have to do everything we can to help each other. Just as Dennis said before, when he spoke about, and he mentioned the bus from the Israeli embassy that stopped and picked up his family and took them out. Uh, I'm proud that we were able to do that. The situation, as you've heard from many others, is remarkably difficult on the ground inside of Ukraine itself, um, where, you know, I'm amazed that, that, to be honest, the organization will be able to send these meals in. Uh, I know that getting anything into the Ukraine now is incredibly difficult. So, Kudos for that and for that work. But the importance and the, 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 the sort of focus of what we're trying to do and what we're doing on ground is bringing a level of dignity in terms of how we give and what we do. You see, it's almost three in the morning here. Uh, I literally came back from the hospital where unfortunately we took a little boy uh, a beautiful three and a half year old boy who was running at an incredibly high temperature. Uh, I got a phone call working with them. He went and visited and they saw this boy, uh, checked his temperature again. And I said, okay, he has to go to the hospital. We took him there. And he was running a temperature because he was just outside. He was standing in line 
for over 15 hours with his mother. His shoes weren't good. He got a cold. He got ill. And now he's in hospital. And it's these little stories, it's these little facts, it's the individual perspectives of how we look at people and try and understand what this huge humanitarian crisis is. This war isn't a war of armies. This is a war of one man on millions of people, leaving refugees escaping and attempting just to stay alive. On the Facebook of our foundation, which is I'm sure people will link in the comments, you can see story after story of individuals who were attempting to help. And through the grace of God, we're able to help. And it's these stories, these mothers. We helped a mother. Just imagine. Most of us are parents. A mother came in. And we saw her in war, so I picked her up at the station. And she was standing there holding her one-year-old child in her arms. I could see the pain in her eyes. So I brought her over. Her jumper was covered in blood. Her son had a little cut on his lip. Normal for a little kid. But over time it had seeped in because of her holding him. She had no fresh clothes. She didn't have a pushchair to take a kid in. She had no way to be. Nowhere to live. Nowhere to stay. Nothing that she could do. So we were able to step forward and help her and be of service and be of support. And we've been working very, very closely with many, many organizations, including the Jewish Agency, who I know that you'll hear from next after me. This morning, I was incredibly honored to be part of a group of supporting them, where 150, 158, in fact, Jewish refugees made Aliyah, were taken and put on a plane and sent to Israel where they were able to start their new lives. I'm proud. I'm proud of my country. I'm proud of the state of Israel in its service. But I have to say that it really doesn't matter where we're from right now. It doesn't matter what we are. And we're seeing this on the ground in Poland. We're seeing this on the ground in Hungary, in Moldova, in Romania. People are just really stepping up to do what's right. And there are many incredible organizations doing many, many, many important things. But it's also the people that are left behind. My foundation has a big focus on what are known as the righteous amongst the nations. Non-Jews who risked their lives to save Jews during the Second World War. People like Oskar Schindler, who you would have heard of from the movie Schindler's List. Seventeen of these heroes exist today, are still living in Ukraine. None of them wanted to leave. We spoke to every single one and gave them the option to go, and they said no. We'll stay here. And the amazing thing is even in their late 90s, when we've spoken to the families, the families have all told us that they've been the rock. They've been the ones to say, we'll get through this. Whatever the outcome, it will be what it will be, and we'll be okay. Just last night, I had a phone call from a journalist in the United States about her 94-year-old grandmother, a Holocaust survivor, a lady who'd survived the terrors of the Holocaust, ended just 80 years ago, suddenly facing difficult times again. We're helping to potentially move her grandmother now. And story after story after story 
of such pain? And what for? For absolutely nothing. And Dennis spoke before me about the need for all of us to do more. And we must. <clears throat> and we must also be honest. And we must really, really pray to attempt to support the people of Ukraine right now. Because they need it. Those who are staying to fight need our support. Those who are leaving to stay alive need our support. The world has changed in the last 10 days. It's changed dramatically. And it's changed forever. And there's a big responsibility on all of us to make sure that we do our part in making sure that it changes even through these difficult times in a direction that can somewhat be positive. Because through all this evil, there's always a balance. When there's ultimate evil, there'll be ultimate light. We saw it in the Second World War with the ultimate evil of Hitler, the Germans, and the many collaborators. Many collaborators from the different nations. But whilst there were the collaborators and the evil, there was also the light of the righteous. And today we can see the same thing as well. That whilst there is this evil, there are sparks of light and of greatness as well. And we need to try and focus on these because this will elevate our spirit and enable us to push forward as humanity, do better, and make sure that, please God, our children don't have to live through this horror that we're living through now because it's unnecessary. There's no need for any of this. It's just evil, it's unfair, and it's wrong. So we're doing our part, as are so many other organizations and foundations and bodies, and we can all do it. Every single one of us has that opportunity to do it. People are asking me all the time, how can I help? How can I support? What can I do? I want to come. Now we need to focus on doing things that are actually supportive. If anybody can speak Russian or Ukrainian, then hop on a plane and come. It's possible. It's enough to walk to any bus station in Warsaw, Poland today, and you're going to see people there hungry and scared and sad. Talk to them. Pray on them. Be with them. This is what's needed today. My foundation is working 24-7, doing everything that we can to make sure that we bring a little dignity to the most difficult of times. And I really thank you, Pastor, for inviting me to speak to this important group. I followed your work and seen what this group has done for a very long time. And if I know anything, if I know anything is true, it's that prayer works and prayer helps and that God definitely listens. Johnny, uh, we so appreciate all, all, all that you're doing and for taking the time. I have a couple questions and Jim may have a couple. Number one, the rescue inside of Ukraine, is it coordinated? How is it happening? Who's there on the ground? Yeah, um, the, the honest truth is that it's, it's chaos. 
it's complete chaos. There, there is no one organized body doing anything. Um, in some situations, it's safer to leave, leave people where they are than attempt to move them. Traveling through Ukraine today is remarkably dangerous. Uh, I received a phone call early last week from a good friend of, I know both of ours, Governor Mike Huckabee. A constituent of his was stuck inside of Ukraine in a specific place, I won't go into details, and asked me to help. I was on the phone with him and supporting him. And for the first day, we received information. And the first day, the best thing for him to do was just to stay still. The roads were dangerous, the way was to get dangerous, and this is also tricky. So in terms of inside the Ukraine itself, it very much depends where you are, how things are situated, and what's happening around that time. But in terms of rescue, it, it's unfortunately every man for himself. Going now into the Ukraine is very dangerous. Um, I, I know I saw you on Friday when I called you uh, with our friend Jay Sekolo and ACLJ. What is your thought about the tippet, or I don't know how you want to describe uh, Biden response and what's what's really going on. Why didn't they place sanctions in advance? What is the political calculation from our administration? Well, I mean, I think we can start with the fact that Biden's played this incredibly badly. I think he presumed that that he'd have more of a more of a sway on Putin if he played it in a different way which was, you know, we're going to do this, we're going to do this, we're going to do this. The, the fact is, is that he'd never have done this with President Trump. He wouldn't have dared because he knew that Trump probably would have done something back. Again, we can't guarantee that. But most likely, this would never have happened under Trump. And Biden, with his wish-washy talks, and I mean, for goodness sake, you know, he spoke about the will of the Iranian people in the State of the Union. Iranian people. Right. You know, talk about babbling and not getting your words right. You know, Putin sees this and laughs. He knows he won't do anything. And what's Biden's ultimate game in this? I presume that he was trying to play with the sanctions to say that, oh, we'll do this if do this and do this. It didn't work. It was never going to work. And, and the weakness that's being shown from the White House is allowing this to happen. If there was a little bit of strength there, this wouldn't be happening. He knows that he can do it, so he'll do it. Now, I, I, obviously, Putin is insane and he's crazy and all of this. But within all of that, he knows exactly what he's doing. He's not a stupid person. He's most definitely a crazy person, but he's most definitely not a stupid person. He understands politics very, very well. He's had years in charge and he's playing America exactly how he wants to. And Biden's just falling into that. My last question, I know you're very close to the leadership in Poland. Are they concerned? What do you think Putin's end game is? Are they preparing potentially for war with Putin? Well, th there's a concern in Poland and there's a concern um, amongst sort of the general population, right? Many, many friends of mine have you know, been messaging me, calling me on ground in Poland. Johnny, should I get out? Should I be looking for other places? And, and I, I don't think so. I, I think Poland is relatively safe. I don't think Putin um, goes towards the issue of attacking a NATO country and an EU nation like Poland. Um, and I think that's, and I know that's the general feeling on behalf of the government here in Poland. Of course, there's readiness. 
Um, in fact, we've seen a big increase among the boots on ground of U.S. troops in terms of support here of U.S. Marines on ground, and the Polish army is definitely taking it a lot more seriously. The general feeling is that there'd probably be other countries before Poland in terms of Estonia, Latvia, Lithuania, potentially. Um, but there is concern. There's definitely concern. Uh, however, there's concern with also uh, a pretty good understanding that, please God, it won't happen. However, anything can happen. And I think we always have to be prepared. Johnny, thank you so much. Back to you, Jim. Well, Johnny, uh, we're, we're going to want you to come back and give further report. Tonight, we're telling people how to get food, and we're telling people how to help get Jews out of uh, Ukraine. At some time, you might guide us. What are credible organizations uh, that, that people could give in the future towards the equipment needs you outlined? What are our options for that? We, we want to make sure they're good organizations that are trustworthy because there's some that are scams and we want to avoid that. And then I also wonder about the, there, there are a number of veterans from the United States that are saying, we're going to go in and fight. We're going to go in and help. They're not going in as part of the U.S. military at all. They're going in as individuals. And uh, I was so encouraged to hear that. I would think there could be an uprising from a number of nations who are willing to send uh, people in. I, I, all of us, all of us as males, are having to go through. If I were in Ukraine right now and I could get out, what would I do? I, I'm not a young man anymore, but I know that I would stay. And if this is the end, this is the end. I would fight. And I think every, all the guys that I trust and, and respect would do the same thing. And so I think of on the ground what it's going to take in a long-term battle. And so if you have, next time we have you on, I would like you uh, to give us counsel once we're off the air uh, of where people could support and we could set it up to try to, uh, we're, we're not a large organization, uh, not huge numbers of people on, but it can spread and we want to do what we can do to assist in very concrete ways. So if you and I can be in dialogue and you guide us on that, in our next call, we'll try to alert people. If you could help me in that area. That would, that would be my honor. I'll tell you one last thing. This evening, I was speaking to a doctor. I was speaking to a doctor. There was a, an elderly man uh, who was having difficulties. And so I went to visit with him and I was on the phone with the doctor just getting some advice to know how to treat him best if I need to take him to the hospital. And I finished the phone call with the, with the doctor. He helped me and I called him back when I was driving from the car. And I said, doctor, I said, thank you so much. And he said, Johnny, he said, we all have to do what we can. He said, once we finished helping everybody, we're going to go in and fight. Now, I'm not sure I'll necessarily do that. I don't know if I'm that brave or I'd be that helpful. But the feeling is there, the need is there, and the necessity is there. And it's people like you standing up and saying these words and pushing people in the correct direction that will give an opportunity to make things better. It really was a huge honor for me to be with you this evening and to continue the dialogue, please God, in the future would be an absolute honor for me. Well, we definitely, we definitely want to continue that. Thank you so much for being with us. Mario, would you introduce us to Danielle Moore, a friend of yours? 
Yes. Uh, uh, Danielle has been uh, with the Jewish Agency for several years. Um, she's involved with philanthropy and also Christian outreach. She had hosted us when we had our faith council with Paula White and uh, Jim and Rosemary several years ago at the Jewish Agency. Uh, our organization, Latino Coalition for Israel, has been partnering with the Jewish Agency in helping Jewish people make Aliyah from Latin America. And while this is a terrible, terrible scenario, one of the, the silver linings, if, if there is one, is this new move of Aliyah, Jewish people coming home and the rescue operations of the Jewish agency. One last thing, what really impressed me every time I um, was in front of someone discussing Israel's role, Israel feels like a protector, a protector of Jewish people, no matter where they are. Uh, they feel that whether you're an Israeli or a Jewish person in the diaspora, you're part of the citizenship of the nation of Israel. And if there is a crisis like in Ukraine, they are prepared militarily to go in and rescue the Jewish people. That, that so touched me, the heart of the nation of Israel, understanding its role regarding world Jewry and very specifically regarding Ukraine. And this is the interview now with Daniela Moore. Well, we are delighted to have Danielle Moore from us, from, with us all the way from Israel. And uh, Danielle, I'm going to ask you to tell a little bit about yourself. Tell us about what the Jewish agency in is that you work with, and then uh, go to the stories of of the, getting the Jews out of Ukraine in this moment of crisis. So, thank you, Danielle. We turn it to you. Thank you so much, uh, dear Rosemary and Jim. So I serve at the Jewish Agency for Israel. I live in Modi'in, just about 30 minutes out of Jerusalem, and I serve for the organization that gave birth to the modern state of Israel. Uh, the background that you see behind me, it's our landmark building in the center of Jerusalem, where I believe that you also visited with us a few years ago. And from that building, David Ben-Gurion, Golda Meir, the leaders of the modern state of Israel, from that location, they set out and they established the modern state of Israel. Since we succeeded in that first mission back in 1948 and established the state, the Jewish agency has been working as a national institute of the land of Israel. It's a unique status that no other organization in Israel has. On the one hand, we are not part of the government. On the other hand, we fulfill national missions and the primary mission of which, and the one that I believe we'll be speaking about today, is Aliyah, the bringing of the Jewish people back home to their homeland promised to them by God. And what can I say? Today is such a dramatic and heartbreaking time. You know, if we think about it, I believe that the the grains of sand started slowly falling through the hourglass of Ukraine already months ago. And in the beginning, it did so ever so slowly. We at the Jewish Agency have been working with the Jewish communities of Ukraine for about 30 years since the fall of the Iron Curtain. On the ground, we're deeply embedded with schools, synagogues, community organizations, working directly with individuals serving to educate and connect children to Jewish life, to build a Jewish future, and to encourage to make Aliyah. 
And I have to confess really that with all the preparations and intelligence services that Israel has, none of <clears throat> Israel's security bodies nor our partners uh, in Ukraine saw this crisis erupting the horrible way it did. And now it is once again time of war in Europe and Jewish people are running for their lives. We have heard this story before. You know, for me, it's the story of my uh, great grandparents on my mother's side, those who fled after the pogroms and before the Holocaust and their relatives that did not flee in time and that were herded into the forests or in outskirts of a town, murdered into mass graves, men, women, and children. But this time it's different because the year is 2022 and thank God he has given us the Jewish people, the land of Israel, and those people have a land that will welcome them and take care of them, the state of Israel. And now we see this you know, greatest European conflict uh, ever since the Second World War raging in Ukraine. And so Ukrainian Jews, along with the people of Ukraine, are fearing for their lives and many are fleeing to survive. The Jewish agency is there on the front lines around the clock, saving Jews of Ukraine. Our workers are on the ground, many of whom are actually risking their lives to rescue the Jewish community. And dear colleagues of mine that normally deal with Jewish education and help New Orleans find a home from Israel, left their families, left Israel, and flew into the danger zone so that they can work right there on the front lines. What I'm saying and what I'm sharing with you, Rosemary and Jen, is that while others are rushing out, we are rushing in. To save, to save the Jews of Ukraine. Anyone who wishes to make Aliyah, we are doing everything in our power to quickly facilitate that process. And in fact, today, uh, I will be going to the airport to welcome some 300 New Orleans from Ukraine that are coming on special rescue flights out of Moldova. We are also supporting those that are remaining right now in Ukraine because maybe they are choosing to fight you know, all men also between the ages of 18 to 60 are required to stay in Ukraine with the potential of being drafted on an emergency request. Or there are those that are staying because they have to protect a frail relative that is not able to, to flee. So for all of them, we are working to help and boost their security, working with different Jewish organizations to give security means as little as we can. And currently as an organization, we are at the highest level of alert in terms of emergency management. We have a 24-7 hotline for life that is helping Jews of Ukraine with over 40 people that are staffing that hotline 24-7 to receive calls for assistance and to give direction about how to reach the border, how to cross the border, where can we meet the people, and how can we bring them out to safety. Since we have opened the hotline, true to Two days ago, I don't have the data as of today, we have received over 10,000 calls, out of which over 5,000 calls were representing requests for Aliyah. Again, these are 5,000 calls, not individuals, meaning we are looking at approximately 10,000 people that have already requested to make Aliyah at this time. And to put this into perspective, in all of 2021, there were just about 3,000 Olim from Ukraine. So I also want to to preface and say that our ability to be on the ground at this time with our emissaries that have been based in Ukraine for years and with our staff that flew right in 
is because of support of friends and partners that have been with us for many, many years. And this is what makes our work possible. That's what allows us to have our boots on the ground today because we were there already yesterday. Now, just how important are those boots on the ground? The Jewish agency is spread over the entire area and cities that, you know, if you think about their names today, those cities are spoken of in relation to where is the Russian army or how badly are they bombarded? Uh, we're talking about, of course, Kiev, Odessa, Kharkov, Mariupol, Dnieper, and many others. Uh, beyond these locations, we are now having direct operations in the neighboring countries, Poland, Slovakia, Hungary, Romania, and Moldova, and all of which we have our boots on the ground at this moment at the border and in the central cities. We are operating on both sides of the border of these neighboring countries at five border crossings. We're helping Jews who are escaping and wish to make Aliyah. We're helping them cross the border. We're taking them to shelters that we established, uh, basically renting out different hotels and different facilities, working with also our Christian partners on the ground in doing so. And we're providing them with everything, food, medicine, blanket, um, even some early psychological and anxiety care, and really giving them what to them probably feels like the first time in forever, even though it's been just about a week, we're providing them with safety as well, of course, helping them with the remaining Aliyah process. And it's very important for me to say that we are blessed to have wonderful and dedicated Christian friends that are based in Ukraine and in the surrounding areas. And they are working with us to help and bring the Jews out to safety. They are truly living out the prophecy as you can read it in Isaiah 49, 22 where it says, behold, I will raise my hand to the nations and to the people, and I will raise my standard, and they shall bring your sons in their armpits, and your daughters shall be born on their shoulders. This is what is actually happening. And you know what makes us unique at the Jewish agency at this time, because there are many different organizations that are rushing in to help, to help all the population, to help specific populations. We are unique in the sense that, first of all, the state of Israel is among the only countries that is there on the borders trying to rescue people actively. If you look at other countries in the world, we are one of the only ones that is doing that. And we at the Jewish Agency, on the one hand, we're not a governmental organization, but because we have such full coordination as a national institute with the state of Israel, we are working with all the ministries of Israel, including the prime minister office, including security bodies, well, at the second level, we can work with local organizations in a way that a government cannot. And because of this unique status, we are in all the emergency forums and we are able to secure help also from the government and also thinking about what will soon happen, God willing, when the Olim will start arriving in Israel. And when we are thinking about about what's happening on the ground. We know that there are hundreds and thousands of Ukrainians, men, women, children, infants that are there in lines of over 20 miles long, waiting at the borders, desperate to save their lives. And as my colleagues are there working to rescue, they are preparing lists. They are preparing lists of those to be met at the border, or those for whom a bus will be sent into Ukraine to bring them out to safety. 
Now, I don't know if you can just picture this, you know, picture what I just said, you know, all these lines of thousands of people, 20 miles long, some of these lines at the border crossings and lists, lists to life. These lists we share also with our Christian friends and they assist us in bringing the people onto the buses. And, you know, I don't know, Rosemary, what, you know, what did these lists remind you? I mean, I can tell you that a few of my colleagues have said to us, we feel like an Oscar Schindler because we're preparing these lists for life and we're, we're bringing people out. What does this all look like? You know, if you just think about some of the, some of the numbers, Israel has already brought out through the borders over 3000 members of the Jewish people. We have already over 700 that are deep into the process of making Aliyah. Today, there will be three flights arriving with 300 Olim. We have hundreds of Jewish and Christian volunteers working with us inside those bordering countries and in Ukraine. We have already secured 3,380 beds in the shelter hotels that we have secured in those neighboring countries. 10,000 calls, 40 volunteers, and 150 community organizations across Ukraine whom we are assisting with security means. We are preparing for the first wave of Olim. We're preparing for 3,000, but there will be more, much more, because as we speak, we know that the calls are coming in and we're expecting at least 10,000 Olim just in the span of about a month or two. A challenge to this, of course, is the mandatory draft uh, that is required of all men 18 to 60. And those men uh, that could be drafted are not allowed to cross the border, meaning families are making the heart-wrenching decision of whether they should stay together in the war zone or whether they should separate. And many are choosing to separate. The men are choosing to send their wives and their children ahead to send them for a chance for life. And as I want to say, we are also not just concerned for the people and not just assisting the people that are in Ukraine right now. Think about there are some 800 New Orleans from Ukraine that are in our programs in Israel now. They are alone. They came to Israel on Jewish agency programs, programs that last six months or a year where they are living without their families. And up until just about a week ago, they felt happy to be in Israel and looking forward that at some point, maybe in a year, maybe in two, maybe in 10, their parents will join them. And now they all feel extremely lucky to be safe, but they feel so concerned and so guilty almost in a way that they are safe in Israel, but that their families are away. And, you know, I think I've shared with you already so much information and such big numbers, but when we think about caring for the thousands, we always have to try and remember how we have to be thinking of the ones. And we must see before our eyes, not only the big picture, but also the small painful pieces that make it up. So to that end, I'd like to tell you a story of, of a family, introduce you to Masha, Dima, and their six-year-old son, Alon. You know, Masha and Dima, I know actually Masha. Masha and Dima grew up in the Jewish agency, Jewish summer camps in the former Soviet Union. Uh, those camps were meant to inspire a sense of Jewish identity and to encourage connection with Israel. And they both met just a few uh, years ago in our Odessa camp. 
It was love at first sight. They married, had their son alone, and they chose to live as a family in the city of Nikolaev, which is not far from Odessa, continuing to work for the Jewish agency in those summer camps, believing that they have a mission to inspire the next generation of Jews to come to Israel. And they plan to make Aliyah at a certain point in the future. Just about two weeks ago, Masha packed a small suitcase, said goodbye to her husband and son, and came on a Jewish agency leadership camp that we were running in Budapest. Most of the participants over there in that camp were just summer camp counselors, just like Masha. They had a wonderful experience, 120 of them. And on the evening of February 23rd, they all packed their suitcases and were preparing to leave the very next day. But of course, none could leave the very next day because they woke up to the news that Russia invaded Ukraine, all flights are stopped. And just overnight, they became, they didn't even know what they became. Are they refugees? Are they stranded individuals? Masha frantically called Dima. She could already hear in the background the sirens uh, of the bombs that were already pouring down on the city in which they live. She became hysterical. Dima kept his voice steady and he told her that he and Alon are going to get into a car and are simply going to drive to the border to Hungary to be with her. All the way from Nikolaev, uh, this is a journey of over 1,000 miles. During normal times, it would take about 24 hours. Now, I don't know if you can try to even imagine these moments. A young man, a six-year-old child, living a bombarded city and driving into a war zone. What do they even pack? You know, they pack just a bit of food, some water, some warm clothes, their documents, and whatever money they could get out of the ATM, and it wasn't a lot. They left Thursday the 24th. Masha spent those days just crying, worrying, and time and again, she said, I don't care. I'm going to cross the border into Ukraine. I have to be with my son. I have to be with my husband. They're not going to even let him cross the border. Dima is a young man. We tried to reassure as much as we could. We had her meet with a psychologist. We promised her we were going to meet them at the border. We are in touch with them. We will find them. We will bring them to you. Even though, to tell you the truth, I don't even know how my colleagues could promise that. Again, because Dima is a man of age to be enlisted. The journey took them four days. How do they even manage? I cannot tell you. Four days of driving. But what I can tell you is that, thank God, they succeeded. And with the help of uh, the state of Israel, we were also able to issue them temporary Israeli passports. And so they crossed the border Monday night and were reunited with Masha. I'd like to show you what that moment looked like of them being reunited with Masha. What can I say? We are in the middle of a war. The, the grains of sand in this hourglass are flowing with such force that it is just likely to break. 
And this is a crisis that's impacting not just Ukraine and the Ukrainian Jewish community, it's impacting also communities in the region. I'm sure that you heard in the news about uh, stopping different flights out of Russia, um, that in Russia it's no longer legal to use the name invasion or war, it's illegal. If anyone utters that word in public, they can face 15 years in prison. We are talking about a global challenge and we have to address it with a global response and Christians and Jews need to stand together. And what I will say and please urge of you through your leadership, Jim and Rosemary, is that we need your support. It's not enough to post a Ukrainian flag on your Facebook page. And while prayers are essential, and I know that this is a global prayer meeting, we must also turn our prayers into action. We have to find ways to enact Isaiah 49:22. And while we are acting, we will continue praying. And if I may, I would like to use a prayer out of Psalm 69, verse 13. But as for me, my prayer is to you, O Lord, and the greatness of your loving kindness. Deliver me from the mire and do not let me sink. May I be delivered from my foes and from the deep waters. And the last thing I'd like to end with, if I may, is that we're very soon coming up to the Jewish holiday of Purim, uh, the holiday that is described in the book of Esther, where the Jewish people was meant to be annihilated and where through a miracle that verdict was reversed and actually the Jewish people were saved. And when one of the, uh, the leaders of the story, uh, Mordechai, comes to his niece secretly, uh, Queen Esther, who is now a queen in the court of uh, the king, Ahasuerus, Circes, and he says to her that she must use whatever power she has to intercede with the king, and she is afraid. She says, I don't have power. He will execute me if I come and speak to him. And he says to her that salvation will come but perhaps God has placed her in that, in that specific location for such a time as this. And I think each one of us needs to ask, why are we in our place at this time? What is our role at this time? And how can we act for such a time as this? So thank you so much. And, and truly thank you. Boy, thank you so much, that, that riveting. I'm only going to ask one question, and we'll turn it to Rosemary for how we might be able to support uh, the population of some 41 million in Ukraine. Maybe you said, but I did not catch it. What's the total number of Jews, a part of, of Ukraine, the total number in Ukraine? About 200,000. And if you think also about the, the region and how others can be impacted, in Russia, there are close to a million. and Belarus, there are close to 20,000. So we're talking about a very significant number. Rosemary, what do we do to support? Mm -hmm. What we do to support is give all you can to the Lord at this time, because this is holy, holy work. The return of the Jewish people to their homeland, God emphasizes that 700 times in the Tanakh. 700 times he says, I will do this. And to participate with him 
in the rescue and the salvation of his people, the return of his people, you are worshiping God at the highest level possible because you are honoring his name in the sight of all nations. And in fact, we know that at the end times, how will we be judged? What have we done to for the brethren of the Lord? What have we done? And words are, are wonderful, our prayers are important, but they must be followed up with action and giving. And this is our finest moment as Christians in this generation, because this is the crisis. Every generation faces a test. 80 years ago, it was the Holocaust, and there were few, few, two men, two righteous who would give um, what they could or sacrifice or put themselves in harm's way to save the Lord's brethren. So please, please give as much as you possibly can at this moment. The lives of God's precious, precious people are at stake. And you can see it on the news. You can hear it everywhere in a way the world has never known. So we are without excuse to say we don't know. We, we, um, we didn't realize it was so significant. We know what's happening. And this is the time. So please, please give uh, what you can. We're going to receive um, a well-versed world.org. Go to our website and there will be a link for you to donate for all the all the funds to go strictly to the rescue and the return of the God's precious people back to their homeland. So we'll have that for you on wellversedworld.org. And thank you. Thank you for your generosity. And Danielle, uh, it, was a, it was a hard report to hear. It's painful. All the reports coming out of Ukraine are just so, so difficult to hear, but I thank you for you and the, your work of Jewish agency and for helping get the Jewish people out in the way you're uh, working very carefully with the Christians as well in this important process. Thank you, Danielle Moore, for this report. We so appreciate you. Blessings thank you. on you. Thank you. That was, that was taped last night, late, very, very late last night, uh, early in the morning in Israel. Uh, she then sent a short video. This short video will give you a glimpse. It's just 90 seconds long of them rescuing and bringing them into Israel. And then Mario will come right back to you for some closing comments after this. Then we're going to be going to a time of prayer. So short. Uh, let's watch that short video right now. Shalom, dear Christian friends of the Jewish Agency. My name is Danielle, and I am here at Ben Gurion Airport. And just about 20 minutes ago, my heart was beating so fast, but now finally I feel some sense of peace. They are home. 156 New Olim from war-torn Ukraine have now found their home in Israel thanks to the amazing work of the Jewish Agency and its partners on the ground. While everyone is running out of Ukraine, our teams are running in to rescue, to save, to shelter, and to bring about the true meaning of the state of Israel as the homeland of the Jewish people. And we could not have done this without you, our friends, our Christian friends of the Jewish Agency all around the world. You know who you are, and you are supporting us. Your volunteers are there on the ground. Thank you so much for this moment. There are so much more to rescue. We are expecting nearly 10,000 New Olim to come from Ukraine in just another 60 days. Please be with us as we are taking on this monumental mission. 
thank you for your support today and your support into the future. Together, we will rescue our people and help Ukraine and bless Israel. Thank you. חשובה שהאנשים האלה נקלטו בעצם בגבולות על ידי אנשי הסוכנות היהודית והקרן לידידות. כמובן נמצא איתי גם קרן היסוד. עושים מאמצים, כל העולם היהודי עושה מאמצים יחד עם ממשלת ישראל כדי שאנחנו נוכל לחלץ אותם ולהביא אותם לכאן, לישראל. המצב באוקראינה עצוב מאוד. לראות מאות אלפים מבני עמנו שחוטפים כעת הפגזות על בתיהם. אבל אנחנו בסוכנות היהודית עומדים לצידם. גם בהוצאה שלהם את הגבולות וגם בהבאה שלהם כאן, ביחד איתם להגשים את החלום הציוני פה בארץ ישראל. My husband stands there. And we are here and we are safety, but he is there and my grandmother and my grandfather is there and my friends, everybody is there. That was very hard, but now it's so warm and I... I don't feel uh, anxious, anxiety, and uh, I'm feeling peaceful. Uh, now that's just two minutes that I have been to Israel and uh, that's really great feelings. Mario, what do you want to Mario, what do you want to share with us? Um, obviously that is uh, we're seeing uh, a living prophecy being fulfilled and um, Daniela's heart several times you can hear brokenness. Um, I mean she, I know knowing her she, this this is what she eats, lives and sleeps uh, Alia. but I believe that the brokenness that you heard is is God's heart. A breaking for his people at this time and as difficult as what we're seeing what's happening in ukraine and unfortunately i don't think that's going to be the last place things like this happen that we're seeing the birth pangs of of messiah and we're living in a prophetic time and it's it's a different time it's not what we used to be and where how we used to live I think we need to reevaluate everything and truly be willing to say, Lord, as, as she said, we're here as Esther's for such a time as this. You know, Yeshua, God, you know, I just feel the weeping of the Lord for his people and, and all those that are suffering in Ukraine. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Please read the show notes for additional details if you would like a copy of the book or resources mentioned. Remember that Wellversed is a 501c3 tax-deductible nonprofit organization. We rely on your support and partnership. Thank you for listening to the Wellversed podcast. For more information, please go to www.wellversedworld.org.